Well, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Happy Monday. I'm Brendan, co-host of the Sycamore 4 Studios podcast. And I'm Corey, co-host of the Sycamore 4 Studios podcast. And uh, yeah, man, happy Monday for sure. How was your weekend? Too short. They're always too short, man. <laughs> right. um, but the Disneyland, like I said, was was good. We went. Uh, we were only there for three hours. Oh, we nice. got on four rides, all good rides. That's actually And a got lot. dinner. Yeah, got dinner and dessert. Oh, so. of course. well, duh. That was the whole reason you went was the chocolate <laughs> sundae shake. Yeah, so basically we stuffed our face on the California Adventure side with some new, um, like, Japanese food that they have because they have, like, the San Francisco combo that they're opening up. Nice. So we got some, like, really, dude, it was so good. Some, like, crispy chicken and udon noodles, oh, some pot stickers. And then we went across Disneyland yeah, to the, uh, what the heck is that place called? I forgot what it's called. Um, some little thing on Main Street where they have the, the Sunday. It was so good. It was, <laughs> so it was good. Uh, well, how was your weekend, man? Chill, man. I didn't do a whole lot. Uh, Saturday, uh, chilled at home, didn't do nothing. Sunday, went to the parents, or, well, saw the parents and my grandma, had lunch, and then kicked it yesterday afternoon. That's about it, man. Not a whole lot. Like you said, the weekends are always too short, so trying to just do a whole lot of nothing as long as possible. <laughs> yeah. How's the fam? Good? Everybody good? Yeah, everyone's chilling, man. Just uh, My Is- sister's coming back out here sometime in October, I think, just to visit for the weekend, see my grandma. And then we're all supposed to go back there in December for Christmas. So Christmas oh, okay. in Ohio for the first time. Oh, okay, sweet. Ohio. Yeah. Head to Ohio, huh? Yeah. Well, Visiting. They're, they're, they there. bought a house, so they're not leaving anytime soon. <laughs> there you go. Well, um, players are visiting. Dalvin Cook recently visiting the Jets. Uh, he was there over the weekend. Um, kind of there just meeting with teams. Obviously, he's in, he's one of the top running backs on the market that are open and ready ready to sign with the team. Uh, after the meeting, he was asked kind of like how everything's are going and uh, was quoted saying that the odds are pretty high that he signs with the Jets. You you like him there? Yeah, and then I feel like if you spend a whole weekend there, that's a long visit. Most people come for like an afternoon <laughs> and leave. Mm-hmm. Like he's been Maybe there for a whole day. weekend. He's been out during the practices, so fans have seen him and like chanted his name and clapped for him. So obviously everyone is trying to get him in the house and i would think that the other things he talked about too with aaron Rodgers and mvp quarterbacks is just another reason that he's probably going to be there yeah yeah he had a he had a quote about Rodgers, which is pretty telling because the way that i mean he was very descriptive and, and kind of went on about it he wasn't just like yeah no aaron's a great quarterback and it'd be a privilege to play with that guy you know he he said quote <clears throat> when you look at it you always want to be around a great quarterback you always want to be around someone you can pick his brain and just learn from a rod is a four-time mvp so just being around a guy like that, you can learn a lot more and just develop as a player. And that's what I'm looking to do, end quote. That sounds like he's already signed or he's just talking numbers, no? Yeah, it's, I was going to say, if, at this point, I feel like it's just more of a numbers game because the fact that he also mentioned he's trying to take this as one step at a time and as slow as possible to like look at all the possibilities of where he could go. And I don't blame him also because it's early in camp. There could be other injuries and in other teams that maybe he thinks is a better opportunity but I feel like the Jets is the perfect opportunity. Everything that they have there, all they're missing is like a, a decent star running back. They have like 
an okay line and they have a good, obviously, weapons on the outside for Rodgers to throw to, but to have a running back like Cook also would just be the icing on the cake for them going into the regular season, I would think. Yeah, I know they have Brees Hall, who was basically on his way to winning rookie offensive rookie of the year, which his teammate Garrett Wilson ended up doing that's right, that's uh, right. before he got hurt last year. But he is coming back from, I think it was a torn ACL, and although he might be ready, it's not necessarily great to just rush back a young guy from an injury like that. So, it, I mean, Dalvin Cook could even be insurance for, for that guy. So, I mean, a, a nice one-two punch like I was, a great backfield has. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Like, if he's not going to be ready or he might be ready for the start, but you can push it back by having Cook come in early – and then him have a time to like re, you know, regenerate everything he needs to do to be the running back he was last year. And then, like you said, they'd have a one-two punch, and they'd hopefully figure all that around like week six to ten, going into the back end of the season, which then would roll into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. The question again, though, is you know how much do you pay him? So I know Rodgers took up that thirty-five million dollar pay cut to make sure he plays stuff, and maybe he tells Dalvin, "Look, man, you know if you want to win, it's what you got to do." Yeah. But Dalvin could be. The other guy saying, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's easy for you, Aaron Rodgers. You got State Farm deals. You've already got $200 million plus on contracts. You've got all these MVPs. Green Bay's paid you handily. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't had that. He's been, a, I think this is going to be maybe his biggest contract that he can get. So, but, you know, I mean, unless he's doing a short one year to fly and see what happens. That's but. what I was going to say. But at this point, do you think he'll get a long-term deal because it's taken him so long to even get to this point? So at this point, What's with the season starting. years. Well, yeah, but if you're the Jets, your window is not three years. Your window is now with Aaron Rodgers. So why would you tie yourself to three years of Cook when all you're really worried about is this year with Rodgers? So it's more like the Saquon thing. It'd be a show up and show out kind of thing. Like pay the, take the one-year deal, but get a lot of money on the one-year deal because obviously, like you said, A-Rod took the discount to get, make cap space. So use that cap space. Give Cook more than you probably would have otherwise. And then if okay. he shows out and they win, then obviously next year you can recalibrate and then give him a bigger offer at that point. Because if they win yeah. and Rodgers decides he wants to come back, then Cook is going to be that much more important to come back as well. Yeah, I agree. He, I mean, he's he was a big part of what Minnesota is. And I'm glad that you kind of finished with that because I was ready to defend some of these running backs, man. I get the principle of it, and we've talked oh, plenty of times in our previous episodes. Please go check those out. We, we go into deep context about you know all the tags and stuff, but... I just what the, what what more does Saquon and Dalvin Cook have? I mean, they're the, some of the top running backs in the league, and I get the principle of you know show up and show out, and that way you can get. But when they just did it last year, no? Yeah, no, you're right, and it leads into just more running back drama because obviously now with Jonathan Taylor's situation and John, Jim Irsay, I don't even know where to begin with this. It's like the most bizarre quote like i know they asked him they asked ursay about the running back situation or he talked about it and how you know they don't think that they should go back to the table for a new collective bargaining agreement just to appease one position but his quote of if i die tonight and jonathan taylor is out of the league no one's gonna miss us the league goes on it doesn't matter who comes and who goes what huh? are you talking about this guy is still on that uh, substance he was uh, arrested for. Uh, I mean, he's always for, been kind of a, a strange out there kind of guy and says some weird things. But to say it about your own player who, again, is a running back and is already being paid because he's still on his younger deal, I believe. He's still a rookie, or not rookie, but on his rookie deal. So they don't have to pay him yet or gotten to that point. But now that you've said that out loud, now it's just going to create all kinds of problems. Then we go down to Taylor wants out. He wants a trade request because he met with Ursay and obviously didn't like what he had to say in person about what he said to the media. So request a trade. And then as I'm doing our prep yesterday for the show, more and more stuff comes out. It's just, it gets weirder and weirder as the hours go by. First it's yesterday. It was Jonathan Taylor might go on to the 
uh, non-football injury list for a back injury from his own workouts prior to camp starting. Then there's a tweet from Jonathan Taylor saying, what? What? I didn't say I had back issues. What are you talking about? Where are these sources coming from? And so, like, where are we going with this story? But, again, because it's a running back, it just makes it that much more, like, important to figure out because if they don't want to pay him or the running back doesn't want to be there, where are they going to trade him that somebody's going to actually want to pay a running back? Not very many places, at least not at the beginning of the season. There's going to be teams who maybe are in contention have and their running backs kind of fallen to injury or something in, in the middle of the season or before the trade deadline. But, yeah, nobody's going to be doing that. Uh, I mean, he said he doesn't even want to do it. He's been quoted saying, we're not trading Jonathan. End of discussion. Not now and not in October. That's to my reference of, you know, more towards the trade deadline. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it doesn't sound like he doesn't – it doesn't sound like he wants to. I don't blame him. He, he's the best player on their team, in yeah. my opinion. I mean, who – Maybe Anthony Richardson would get there, but currently today, and there's anybody like, you know how you do those things on Instagram where you it scrolls a team, you got to pick a position. If yeah. the Colts come up, the only person I'm picking is Jonathan Taylor. Absolutely. There's nobody else there to... And there's he, nobody there. And he, didn't, he did all that with a really bad team around him. So if they have Richardson, who's actually decent, and they build a good offense around him, you might have a chance. But if he doesn't even want to be there now because the owner is talking about who knows what on the, in the with the media, you just ruined all the, all the momentum you had as an organization. You just brought in an a new guy to take over a quarterback and build with them two as young guys. And now you've ruined the whole thing before it even got, gets on the floor and gets to start the wheels. Yeah. So is the reason why they, um, he wants a trade because he just doesn't feel like they're a winning team. I mean, I feel like he didn't, if he didn't request a trade before the quote from Ursay, then he should have requested a trade last year about not winning. Cause they were terrible. So I don't think that's yeah. the issue. I think it's literally after what happened or what was said, by Ursay that's created this whole issue in the first place. And if you're Ursay, again, you're one of those owners that seems to always get in your own way, man. Just stop talking, stay up in the booth, and let everybody else do their job. Yeah, that's what the good owners do. Robert Kraft, I mean, he had his own stuff outside of football, but he never really got involved in the no. team. He just gave the keys to the people who knew what they were supposed to do, and they decided to win with it. You know? Absolutely. And that's what, uh, what, Kroenke, right, does yep. in L.A. or any of the teams that he owns, basically. I was going to say everywhere, just... Denver, L.A. I mean, it's all he just wins everywhere he goes or every team he buys because, again, he gets the right people in the right positions and then gets out of the way. <laughs> Okay, well, who wins this standoff then? I, in my opinion, it's always the team, no? In the NFL, it always is because, again, there's no not, there's no guaranteed contracts in the NFL. So the fact that you Taylor is on a contract from his rookie season on, he's going to take all the money he can get as a running back because he's not going to get much on a second contract if he's lucky enough to get one at all. So ultimately, yeah, the, the owners are going to win, but that's that's always what happens. Ownership always wins when it comes to this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope that they, I guess, can either figure it out or... I mean, I don't know. This seems already weird, and it just started. So I don't know how Jonathan Taylor's coming back to the team already. But small last stat that's kind of noted. There was a study in 2018 that shows, which this kind of makes sense, that the running back position is the most injured and injured for the longest in all the football. Yeah. Kind of obvious, no? I mean, yeah, they're the ones that as soon as you give them the ball, everybody's going after them, and there's no – like, as a quarterback, you can – you hike the ball, you have – maybe two, two and a half seconds to throw the ball. But you can most of the time, obviously there's a blind side that happens here and there, but most of the time you can see it coming and get it away and, and try to avoid the worst of the worst. But as a running back, once you get the ball, you can't avoid the worst. You have to just go and get as many yards as you can. Whatever happens, happens. Like quarterbacks, like um, running quarterbacks, obviously you need to run out of bounds and not get rocked. But if you're a running back, like they don't want you to run out of bounds and not, they want you to get every possible yard. So they're going to get hit the most. They're going to get hit the hardest the linebackers and linemen trying to tackle them are like twice their size most of the time. 
Yeah, and like you said earlier, they can't just can't just be running and be like, oh, you're gonna hit me, ah, and then throw the ball away. You just gotta <laughs> just gotta eat it, you know. Like, yeah, you'd be you'd be out of the league fast if you ain't holding on to the ball. Absolutely. So. But out of the league, at least on your own terms, Sony Michelle has uh, decided to hang up the cleats and the helmet. A uh, two-time Super Bowl winner with the Rams and the Patriots. Played just five seasons in the NFL. Made about $11.5 million in um, salary. What do you think about Sony? I mean, the fact that he was in New England his rookie year and was able to win a Super Bowl, but not just help win. Like I think if I remember, he had like six touchdowns in the playoffs into the Super Bowl win. He was the leading back. It might have been uh, James, uh, James White. Oh, I know yeah, that you know James what? White is a big right. pass catcher, but it was one of those. Two, I know he was he was win it so, yeah. uh, in it. But yeah, he had a great career there. And then when he went to uh, L.A. and played with McVeigh, he had a great run when they went to the Super Bowl as well. And again, this comes down to we just talked about running backs have the most injuries and the longest injuries. He even said himself to Coach McVeigh when he talked about why he's retiring. His body is, t- is telling him it's time to quit. So obviously, running backs take the most, you know, beating. They that they're the usually the smallest guy on the field. Majority, I mean, th- even think about Darren Sproles, how small he was. He played like 10 years. That guy yeah, probably, he was good, man. Oh, he was great, but I'm just saying, that guy got beat right. up. Yeah. Yeah. Sony retires with a 4.2 um, yards per attempt carry. To me, that's great. Anything above four is good. You can give it to you three times, it's a first down. So, um, Anything above four, I'll take I three and a half. Cool. Yeah, true. I mean, <laughs> if we're talking about that, yeah, seriously. So, but he good was, running back. Yeah, and again, he was one of those guys too. You never hear anything saying anything bad about him. He was a good teammate, which that that's, good teammate. it's always good to have. But it, you know, you hear about during camp, there's fights and tussles sometimes. You know, they just it's a lot of testosterone going around at camp. And uh, you saw the video, I'm sure, of Kelsey catching a touchdown from Pat Mahomes at camp, and then didn't really like that the uh, defensive player took a little late jab at him, I guess, and then decided to throw a quick punch at him. There's just one or two punches back and forth, and that's it. But, I mean, I don't really chalk up anything to it. It's training camp, and this kind of happens. And it didn't spill into the whole team. It was just a quick three-second boom, boom, walk away from each other and call it a day. So I don't think it's really as big a deal as probably some people probably made it out to be. Yeah, I saw the clip, and it wasn't... It was like a quick knee-jerk reaction. And as soon as he realized what he was doing, (laughs) excuse me, kind of stopped. Yeah. just you know, get back into football season, getting getting jacked up. Not, definitely didn't hurt. They they have the helmets like you said, and then they even have the big old uh, like padded helmets on top of. Them. Yeah, padded <laughs> helmets on top of that now. So I'm sure he's fine. Yeah, and I mean later in the day, I think he tweeted or that once I was asked about it, he said he needs to be better teammate and a better leader and not let himself get to that point. Like obviously the guy hit him a little late, but at camp he's not like he knocked him over and completely hit him like he could have. He just was a little late for Kelsey considering, but. You know, a little tussle back and forth, no big deal. Yeah, he probably thought, dude, it's training camp. Why are you hitting me? I'm basically, besides Patrick Mahomes, the the most important person on this on this field. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I kind of get his point, but again, he calmed himself down and he took immediate ownership of it. I think that's that was was key is the apology, uh, and then you know just knowing that he needs to be the one that sets the example, uh, yeah. not just Patrick, because people look up to him for sure too. Oh so yeah, he's, for he's, sure. He's always part of those tight end camps that they do and stuff too. So yeah, you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to train from who you've been this whole time. No, no. Um, definitely, people look up to him. One of the one of the good ones. Uh, one of the best tight ends. Well, if not. Definitely in the league now, but if not, you know, approaching all yeah, time. So yeah, for sure. another uh, another all timer on the move, switching switching sports here from from football to baseball. Max Scherzer officially been traded to the Rangers. Yeah, uh, I believe uh, Eovaldi, Nathan Eovaldi was placed on the injured list with a forearm injury. 
Uh, it's probably one of the reasons that really pushed them to 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 make this move. They're in a great position. Um, they also acquired starter Jordan Montgomery and reliever Chris Stratton from the Cardinals. Yeah. All they gave up for Scherzer was a shortstop, uh, potential top 50 prospect, uh, Luis Angel Acuna, who actually happens to be Ronald Acuna's younger brother. Yeah. Which is I know you funny. picked Texas for the uh, for your American League pick. Yeah. You like the moves that they've made? Absolutely. Like Scherzer, if you look at his numbers, he's 9-4 and four with a 4 ERA, but that's on a terrible Mets team. Like, absolutely right. a terrible Mets team. So he's going to Texas, who has, if not the best offense, top three offenses in all of baseball. So if he can get an offense that scores eight runs a game and he's only given up three or four, his win total is going to go way up. So that's a huge thing. And then they go get Jordan Montgomery and, like you said, Stranton from St. Louis, which if you look at Montgomery's numbers, it's 6-9 and nine with a 3.42 ERA. But, again, he's in St. Louis where they suck. So and to me, he, it's all about ERA. Yeah, exactly. And if he's got a three point four there, where they're not even very good, then again, going okay. to uh, Texas is going to be great. And the other guy, uh, Chris Stratton's a nice reliever. Uh, Forty two games, one save. He's got a four point three ERA, but as a bullpen guy, that's not that bad. Anything under five is usually really good. So, I, I everything they've done has been great, and the deadline is still tomorrow. So who knows what else if they can do anything else? But they definitely don't need anything on offense if they're all they're going through is for the pitching at this point. So. Well, they've already kind of done that. They got a top of the line um, pitcher in Scherzer. I know he has a little bit of a step loss, like you said, but um, I think he's still one of the best in the league. So, especially when it comes down to the the postseason, he's a yeah. workhorse. He's not out there to leave early or make excuses. He wants the moment. Um, so, a, I think it's a good pickup. He's and, intense uh, as hell. Like he, when it's game time, it's game time. And I think. That's going to be a big thing because remember when he first came to the Dodgers, there was talk of like there was a game where he was pitching and Dave Roberts at one point when he came into the dugout went to him and like said something and Max basically told him to get the F away from me because he's like he's kind of like in his zone. He doesn't want anybody to deal with him or bother him. And I feel like going to Texas where Bruce Bochy is the coach, Bochy is so old school that that's actually going to be perfect. I feel like he's just going to let Scherzer do his thing, be himself because like he had Barry Zito, he had Tim Lincecum. He had a lot of guys back in the day that were not necessarily the normal people, as most people consider athletes when it comes to pitchers. They're very strange. But, dude, Max is going to be so good in Texas. So good. Yeah. But now it just becomes, <laughs> do the Mets continue the fire sale and go even getting rid of Verlander? Because uh, that's the next piece to go at this point, I would think. Yeah, I mean, the the owner was quoted saying that they're not selling at all. They're not having some super fire sale. But, uh yeah. You, you and I discussed earlier they had to get rid of some pieces. You believe him saying they're not getting rid of everything? No, because then this afternoon they traded their outfielder, uh, Kahan, I think, to the Giants. And then now Verlander, there's even talk of, because he has a no trade, so anywhere he goes has to be okayed by him. But the initial talk was, oh, the Dodgers, Dodgers, Dodgers. But now there's talk of Houston getting back in, which he just came from Houston. He obviously he has obviously. a relationship with that ownership and that team. So going back to where he was from is not that big a deal. Uh, but a lot of one, a lot of people today started talking about like don't count Baltimore out because part of the reason they went to New York is I guess they wanted him and Kate Upton wanted to be on the East Coast. So if he can go to hmm. Baltimore and then they don't have to necessarily move the whole family because I guess they talked about their kid I think is about to start school. So like it's like, like the oh, first okay. grade kind of thing, and they don't want to move her okay. school to school to school kind of thing. So I get it, but makes if, sense. If I'm Verlander, like if I'm looking at the the landscape, I kind of feel like. Houston would be good just because you'd be comfortable. There'd be an easy transition. It wouldn't take very much time to figure out how things go and work because 
you're already in you're coming from a terrible situation in the Mets to a positive situation regardless of where you end up if you end up in LA, Baltimore or in Houston, but again, I think the comfortability factor in Houston just makes a lot of sense. And to be honest with you, I mean even location-wise, it's on the eastern side of Texas, so That's true. which is in the middle of the country already, so I mean you're not that far from the east coast if Kate and his daughter need to be up wherever they want her to go to school. Uh, I mean, it's a two-and-a-half-hour flight, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I've never flown it, but it, it can't be that far. It's probably like flying from here to Colorado or something. I was going to you know say I mean? it's five or five-and-a-half <laughs> from here to New York, so I would think, yeah, two-and-a-half, three, maybe from Houston to there. The most, and he can fly private, I'm sure, if oh you'd like. God, and, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, if he already doesn't have his yeah, own jet. Right. You know, who knows? <laughs> but, but, yeah, I mean, an, another, another reuniting would be kind of cool. They're a good team already, too, like you said. He knows the situation, so yeah, might as well. Yeah, so. absolutely. More reuniting being done in the majors, though. Uh, Joe Kelly, crazy Joe Kelly with the glasses, reliever going back to LA. Um, they also grabbed the pitcher Lance Lynn as well. Uh, traded away Trace Thompson for it. You like those Dodgers moves? Uh, well, I mean, as a Dodger hater, I don't like them, but as a baseball, no, no, fan, no, 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 we have to be objective. As a baseball fan, um. <laughs> It's weird because if you look at Lynn, obviously Chicago's terrible, which is why they're having a fire sale. But he's 6-9, and nine, but his ERA is 6.4. So it's not like he's had a decent year ERA-wise and just hasn't gotten the wins. Um, I think another thing I heard was he gave, he's given up the most home run balls in all of baseball this year too. So that's I don't know positive. if that's a positive thing going here. And the Dodgers have already struggled so much with pitching and not giving up runs that bringing in a guy who gives up the most home runs doesn't seem like it is a win. But I think getting Kelly in the bullpen and bringing him back there, again, it comes to a comfortability thing. Maybe Kelly finds his way and shores up the bullpen at least a little bit because that bullpen is terrible. So I And they're another team I don't expect to be done until tomorrow. I, I would think they're going to go after another bullpen arm or two. Yeah, that makes sense. They also brought back Kike Hernandez uh, last week. Yep. They lost that first game, I think, 8-1, to one, so that was cool. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. I... <sighs> He has a negative war just this year alone. It means yeah. there's plenty of people that are a replacement that will get them wins or at least not get them losses. So uh, I know they picked up somebody else that has a negative war. A short, I think it was a shortstop or another infielder from like Cleveland or something. Oh, I think Rosario. they picked up. Yeah, <clears throat> um, he's also negative. Again, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be a stat head here, but uh, that's what baseball's full of. So, but the other thing too is the Dodgers because they're so analytically driven as an organization. Part of it is you got to think like if they think there's something there, there might be something there. Because I always feel like when they do these trades of people I don't know, I'm like eh, and then it turns out like they always win those trades because Friedman always knows or sees something that somebody else doesn't. Which is why when he was in Tampa building those teams with no money, they went to a World Series and competed because he knows <laughs> just like he just knows who to get there and win. It's crazy. Now he's got LA money and he can freaking literally build contenders. Yeah, exactly. So, but he got Jonah. He's maybe he has Jonah Hill on the back, <laughs> crunching all the numbers. That's got to be it. Oh, maybe, man. But at least the Dodgers being having all those guys come back and reuniting makes them, you know, get them camaraderie and maybe they'll feel good about themselves and have more fun in the dugout, which has already started. Which, speaking of fun, remember how we talked about the Rockies a couple weeks ago or maybe a week ago that there was an a uh, board. Op or scoreboard operator that I think had gotten dumped based on his uh, game notes. I don't yeah. know if this is the same guy or if they got rid of that person and hired a new person, but they had a new <laughs> one the other day when CJ Crone was still a Rocky before he got traded, and he was one for three. And it said the note like the you know they have like these fun facts about the players. It said mm, yeah. that CJ Crone had more hits in his MLB debut three. 
than A's hitting coach slash his dad, Chris Crone, had in his entire career, too. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> That's impressive. So it is, it is just his debut. He outhit his dad. Now, I don't mean to knock his dad, but two hits is pretty bad. Did he only play like a couple games? I'm assuming he just didn't quite make it. I don't I, know if he got hurt or yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's but what I'm guessing. That's kind he of a probably fun was, stat. Yeah, he was probably a longtime minor leaguer, made it to the pros for you know a cup of coffee, as they call it, and then just yeah. moved on. But I just thought it was funny that – that they put that stat up there, that that uh, like little note to like, oh yeah, he uh, he his dad is pretty good, made the majors, but uh, he only got two hits in his career, and he got three in his first game ever. So. <laughs> at least it wasn't referenced back to Becky and how she's rude and Has like no at least it wasn't cavities. how many times he's got his heart <laughs> broken or something, you know. So yeah, uh, at least at least it wasn't something crazy like that. But, yeah, I just felt bad because um, after I saw this story and I was like, oh, this is funny. I'm gonna you know we can talk about it, and then he gets traded to the Angels. Because with along with uh, Randall Gertrich, because uh, the Angels lost Tyler Ward to getting after getting hit in the face the other day in Toronto for sixty days, so they had to replace him. But Ouch. the Gertrich thing is actually good. He's batting over three hundred, so it's like a fifty point batting average raise from Ward to him. Although the power numbers aren't the same, but again, when it comes to playoffs, you just need guys to get on base, and if you have Trout and Otani in your lineup at the back end, and he can just get one of the, be one of those guys that gets on and sets up, then it's a win win at that point. He plays outfield, so he's got some speed. Yeah. Obviously, he's not. Uh, he may not be, you know, Ellie De La Cruz, but yeah. <laughs> he could uh, he could probably be filling help filling in the outfield as they platoon it until Trout gets back. Which, you know, Trout's doing dugout interviews during games now since he's not playing anyway. <laughs> got something. I mean, he's so good. He's got to build the time with something. I'm assuming, right? Might as well get his beautiful face on television. Absolutely. Yeah, they're in Toronto over the weekend. They're, you know, they have him on there. They're doing like the headset and they're showing him on the camera, and you can see him. And they're talking about, oh, Tani's coming. He's like, oh, well, they're probably going to walk him again. You know, here we go. And, he, and they start laughing, of course, because the announcers even say, well, you can blame Matt Chapman for that after the thing we talked about the other day where yes. this video Chapman in the dugout telling the coach, like, why are we pitching to Otani? He's the only guy who can hit the ball. And he hit it home run. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, that's what happens. He's, he's, yeah, I don't, I mean, that's kind of rude to say he's the only guy on that team that can hit the ball. But I mean, when you are beating them and he's the only one getting the runs, I guess he's not necessarily wrong. Yeah, so, he definitely uh, turned the point when the final score of that game was four to one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's true. And that one thing was the one home run that he decided to pitch Otani. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but that, He's just too good. I mean, we could literally talk about Otani every day because something new. Every time the Angels play, there's something to talk about. Otani did this or said that or pitched this. Yeah, uh, he's great. He's great. Just amazing to watch. And I hope that regardless of what his contract or where he goes, that even if he is a Dodger, I hope he doesn't win a World Series. But I hope he has a lot of these historical things where he keeps breaking these monumental things we never thought we'd see. Because again, I go back. I always like to see the historical stuff happen, whether it's. Mm-hmm. My team are not doing it. Even if it's not, I still want to see the historical stuff. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. We could, could actually say history. We, as in the United States, not uh, you and I. Uh, United States bringing it around to the World Cup, Women's World Cup, right in the middle of that. The uh, next match actually is the taking on Portugal. Starts in shoot. As we're recording this, about two and a half hours, midnight uh, our time. So. Um, we will see <laughs> how they play tomorrow. They are, or I guess today, yeah, yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow. they're favored to win. Um, on FanDuel, the most likely score betting-wise is 2 nothing U.S. So um, I think I'm about maybe staying up and watching a little bit of it, to be honest. Well, I, I will because I'll be up uh, editing the podcast, so I might as well have it up on the screen while I'm doing that. There we go. <laughs> nice. Well, with the draw that they had last time from Netherlands, they're actually tied with them 
right now for the lead. They have the overall lead because of the goal differential. Mm. Um, so they should be they should be good to go. Basically, a win or a draw is what gets us into the knockout stage. Um, the only way that it gets dicey, I believe, is if Portugal wins because they currently have three points, which is one point behind us. So they would then have six, and we would have zero from the loss, uh, which kind of puts us at four and really brings it down to what the Netherlands would would do. Um, and they they tied with us, so they're not bad. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, hopefully we can just get a dub. It doesn't have to be two nothing. Although you know, for those out there, that's the most likely score if you want to throw a ten on it. Yeah. The only uh, thing that I thought sucked about this game was the fact that it's on like all the the other two games have been on decent hours, at least for us to watch it here in the U.S. This one, obviously, midnight. Our time, 3 a.m. Eastern, is a very terrible time for us. So I was like trying to figure out why they would do that if, if the U.S. team wouldn't be able to kind of work around and be more closer to their time zones. But I guess they were talking about it today that the reason they do that is the last day before they get out of group play is they don't want any teams to be on, like, watching the scoreboard for the goal differential thing. Like, if you're in a game against each other and you notice that your goal differential has already been covered by another game, then you can kind of not try and give it up and then it can affect all the other teams in the pools because i guess this has happened previously i don't know if it was in the women's or men's but a previous tournament right. this had happened before so now they that make all sense. the last game of group play everybody plays at the same time so you can't do the scoreboard watching and manipulate the goal difference. at least in your group yeah yeah, yeah within your own group sense. yeah so. the um i know that uh they do that in like the nfl right they every that last sunday basically yeah. everybody kind of plays at one or ten or eleven whatever the heck time basically everybody plays yeah or at least they make sure that the people that are playing for something play at the same time slot yeah exactly I was say it might not be everybody afc and nfc but yeah if you're if two teams are playing for the same thing they usually play at the same time so you can't affect any other game, yeah which yeah. makes sense no real yeah yeah but ho- like hopefully so. u.s can take care of business tonight and dominate and then we can move on to the group the out of the group stage and then that's when the real fun the knockout stage is the best part so once we get into domination that, hopefully they can do that and speaking of dominations how about a f1 dominance uh for stopping dude that i don't watch a lot of racing but i keep seeing and hearing his name it seems like every week or every two weeks on my timeline of for stopping wins for stopping wins for stopping wins it has not stopped no, not not for stopping at all. <laughs> um, I honestly, I love this is our first segment uh, doing anything other than like our th- our major sports here in soccer. Uh, I love, love motorsports. Um, I don't watch it as much. I'd love to get into F one more, but it is super fun to watch. He is literally insane. He's so good. Um, he just won. They just raced the Belgian Grand Prix last weekend. He came in first place. He started in seventh uh, and. He basically made his way up to first place by the 17th lap and then finished with a 22.3 second margin of victory over his own teammate, Sergio Perez, for his 10th win of the season and eighth in a row. Eight in a row. 22.3 seconds. Dude, that's a big gap. And, like, the thing that's crazy about the F1 racing compared to, like, NASCAR, you know, just circle, circle, circle. But the F1 is not. That is is a track up, left, right. I mean, it is... It's got. It kind of reminds me of. At least I would think their training has to remind me of kind of like bobsledding. Because if you remember in um, the Cool Runnings, they cool like are sitting in the bathtub <laughs> and they're like, "Turn three, right. Turn three or four, left." Like they have to know exactly what turn to like kind of build with it. And I'm assuming yes. that these racers do that when they go to tracks. They have to know what turn goes where. But not only that, you showed me a video I think a week ago about how like the G forces that they take at, cause they're going over 200 miles an hour and how mm-hmm. like what the one guy had, it was like, I don't remember the numbers you'd have to tell me, but it was like 40 to two. And the guy with two who doesn't race was like, Oh my God. And then the guy with 40 yeah. who races does like, 
oh, I didn't even feel it. Like it's, mm-hmm. Yeah, pounds it's, of force on their necks. Yeah, yeah just basically go. keeping still. You have to hold it. The Gs are so strong. It's crazy. Yeah, so just the fact that those guys go through all that training. And, like, I know they lose a bunch of weight because, obviously, you're sweating mm-hmm. going in that suit the whole time. There's got to be a contraption. I'm assuming they're drinking out of the whole time, right, during the, during the race. There's no way. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, they take pit stops and stuff, although those are only, like, two seconds and stuff. But, yeah, they, they just condition themselves, man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it really is a grueling physical sport. So yeah. it's uh it's crazy to see. He's actually – the next race for their circuit is the Dutch Grand Prix. Uh, if he wins that, he actually ties um, with Sebastian Vettel for the most consecutive victories um, in Formula One, at, uh, which would then be nine in a row, his 11th of the season. So he could do it at home because he himself is from the Netherlands. So oh, that'd be kind of nice. cool. That'd be sweet, dude. That'd be really cool. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, like but, I said, I don't watch a lot, but I just I keep hearing his name over and over. And the other name I, I know from there would be Lewis Hamilton because I know he was in that F1 series thing that they did on Netflix. So I haven't watched it, but I know he's been in there. But there was like – I thought this was funny that we're talking about Verstappen just killing everybody and winning all the time that Hamilton and fellow driver, driver George Russell were at an event the other day and they were talking about – I'm assuming taking questions from fans. And I just thought it was funny that what Russell said. Go ahead and play it. Yeah, let's hear this. So I hope that, that – Formula One would be so excited if Max and Red Bull were here at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> The dominance of these two literally has them begging to just go away here right now. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny to see, as I was showing you earlier, because uh, I know you're still kind of getting into the, the motorsports here, the, the, the teams that are in this as far as um, not necessarily the main sponsors like you know Red Bull, but the, the, the motors that are, that are and the actual car manufacturers that are doing this, it's the Ferraris of the world, the Mercedes-Benz, and the Aston Martins, and some of the most prestigious names, and they're all getting slapped by honda <laughs> and red bull and some young kid from from the netherlands uh, max verstappen and obviously his teammate sergio perez because sergio perez is the guy who came in second although 22.3 seconds behind uh but yeah it just shows the dominance when even the the people like lewis hamilton a legend himself is kind of laughing yeah. in agreeance with the idea that yeah man it'd be a little bit easier if they weren't here <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty crazy but i love it i love dominance yeah um <clears throat> which speaking of not being which, in here uh, is Lillard going to be in Portland? What is Now there's memos coming out from the league. What is going on over there, dude? Yeah, switching gears to the NBA for sure. Got the... He keeps, he keeps basically saying that he wants to go to a specific place. And uh, you and I have talked off, off, off topic from this. It just doesn't seem like the best way to do, do business in the league. Yeah. They've basically come out and said that any future comments about him wanting to play for the Heat specifically would, quote, potentially subject him to discipline. I don't know if they went into detail about what that discipline was or is, but you agree, you signed with the NBA, you signed with Damian on this. Well, I get what the point of the memo is, is because they don't want it out loud. Like, if you're going to ask for a trade and you do it behind closed doors or whatever and you ask for a specific location to be traded to, that's one thing. But I feel like it's weird, though, because it's not like Dame has come out on Twitter or in a media thing and said, I want to go to Miami. It's all just like been reports coming out of his camp or possibly from his agent or whoever, or maybe it's the trailblazers leaking it, trying to create more issues. I don't know, but yeah. it's just, it's just weird that the NBA is sending a list out and we haven't actually heard Damien say anything. I haven't, I don't think I've heard him say anything at all the entire off season this summer. So I don't know why they're sending a memo to him directly and not just the league itself, I guess, just to like kind of let them know. But again, they he hasn't done anything. He hasn't said anything. 
Yeah, yeah. Maybe the idea, to your point, whoever's leaking it. I don't know. Maybe it is the team, but yeah. maybe the idea of it. Don't don't specify where all these stars want to go. Yeah. It just kind of makes it ugly. Like it gets be to where they can control the league. You found a, a um, an interview where Austin Rivers was uh, asked kind of about this. And he kind of goes into a bit of detail. It's a little bit of a longer clip, but he kind of gives a pretty good insight yeah. uh, from a current NBA player, from a from a guy who you know is not in any way, shape, or form a superstar, but a, a serviceable NBA player for sure. Yeah, who is in that like middle tier, not necessarily just grabbing for minimums, but definitely doesn't deserve any super maxes. Um, and he kind of he kind of goes on and gives his opinion about this. Let's see what he says. Regardless of how good of a player you are, man. The NBA is not, it's, it, it's a privilege. And if you are a free agent, then you could choose where you, you were going to go. Right. That's the business. Yeah. But when you're not and you sign a deal, man, that's part of the business, bro. If you get traded somewhere, like, you got to go play, man. You know what I mean? Like, for sure. The whole, and this started with like James and Ben and all these guys doing this shit. It's bad for the league. This is why our CBA deal that we just signed, and I don't even want to get heavy into that. That thing is, don't even give me started right. on that deal that we got going because it's top heavy that's why you're seeing all these teams right now with you either make 50 million or two it, yeah. it's the most lopsided contract teams I, I mean it's a joke bro i can't tell you how many mid-level guys are signing for vet minimum around the nba it's it's laughable yeah. um but yeah it's just it's a scary dynamic when you when when, when stars start acting like this um and I'm not a big fan of it. I got to be honest with you. And I'm a big fan of Damian. Uh, everyone knows. I mean, I've had so many battles with him. I've been in many playoff series against Damian. And he's probably one of the hardest players I've ever had to guard in my entire life. Everyone knows the clip where I had to, like, pray to God when he missed that shot. Because uh, that's how good he is, man. Like, you just got to hope he misses sometimes. Uh, but I don't, I don't like when stars do that. Because it's just like, what does every other player do? So because you're a good player, like, you just don't have to show up. What do you think about what he said? I mean, he's right on, dude. He's spot on. Like, again, I feel bad because, like, Lillard's done a lot of time in Portland, and now he's asking for a trade. But because it becomes such a big story, and I don't even know if there's a possibility to go to a management if you're a player at this point in time and ask for a trade and not become or leak out and become a story. Like, that just doesn't happen anymore. So I think yeah. the fact that they're sending out the memo to tell teams not people not to do that is kind of weird because – even if they're doing it the right way behind closed doors, it's still going to get leaked out, and then they get blamed for it. So there's there's no win as far as Lillard's concerned, asking for the trade or not, or hard on them. But I completely agree with Rivers as far as, like, once you sign the contract, like, okay, man, play. And then if they trade you somewhere, then you play there. Like, I don't know why. And, again, it's not like Lillard's won three titles. Harden hasn't won a title. None of them have won anything to then be like, hey, I want to go here because of this, this, and that. Like, there's very few people that I think that if they did that, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I get it. But most of the time, like, dude, just, just play where you're at. You want to leave somewhere? Like like Austin said in the clip, like, when you get paid off a free agent, you can go wherever you want. Like, you may not get the amount of money because of the way things are going with the cap situation and get paid 50 or get paid nothing. But that's the only way you're going to get to choose where you want to go without it being an issue. And I can't imagine what it does to a locker room sometimes for some teams. Yeah. Well, if you flip the script, I know the players wouldn't be happy. If all of a sudden our organization said, you know what, Dame? You're not really living up to $60 million a year. I just I just don't think I'm going to pay you that. Right? I just, I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. I'd be like, well, you signed a contract saying you were going to do it. Well, you signed a contract saying you were going to play. Yeah. 
now, now you're refusing to do so. Maybe you shouldn't assign. So I, I again, I get, I get the principle of it. I'm Damian Lillard is one of my favorite players in the NBA. I like him on and off the court. I like his little raps. I like um, what he does for the community. So this is literally zero slight on him as a even a person, but just the way that the business is as a whole with using him as an example. Yeah. Um, if you don't want to play there, don't sign the long-term contract. That's all I can say, man. You know what I mean? I understand that they're not doing this for you, and you need to get all these better players. But you've had a pattern, and you've seen that they haven't. So yeah. maybe you shouldn't have signed this most recent one if, if you kind of saw that. Or maybe not signed for such a long term. Yeah, exactly. If you knew that after 10 years you hadn't won anything and you didn't think you were going to be able to, then why would you sign another four-year extension and think things are going to change? Like, what's the? I think it's the definition of crazy is doing something over and over and expecting different results. So that's mm-hmm. the same thing. If he's seeing a front office do the same thing over and over and they're not winning because of it, then what makes you think signing a five-year deal is going to make them change and do something different? I don't know. And, you know, if you really want to win, I'm not saying that you should do this. I would never, ever tell anybody that should take less money to do anything. No. But it's kind of hard when you're taking up 33.55% of the cap. See, um, that's the problem. It's one the- player, you know, you're making $6 million, Dame. Who else do you want them to sign? Yeah. Just going back to Austin Rivers Point. You want one other max and then a bunch of two millions? Well, it doesn't always work that way. Yeah, and those yeah. those teams don't always win. We've seen multiple teams try to do the multi, the two, three big stars, and then, well, mostly three when they get to the three and beyond is where the issues become real big and they never win. But I just don't understand why. Just I get it, like you said, to get as much as you can, but also maybe think more like Pat Mahomes and take as much as you can, but also think like maybe I don't take all I possibly can because then I'm going to sit here and be all by myself and not be able to win anything. Like Pat Mahomes took yeah. a ten-year deal where he made over four hundred, but it's ten years, so it's spaced out, and it gives them flexibility to fill the roster with other players, so they can then continue to win. And the more they win, a lot, especially those guys have any kind of personalities like Kelsey and him. Those guys are going to then make you know, sponsorship. It's not like Lillard's not in commercials. We see Lillard doing sponsorship stuff all the time. So it's not words like right out of my mouth, man. Not like the only money he's making is through his contract. Exactly. And it's not like this is his first contract either. No. He's, if this, you know, this was more like the Dalvin Cooks we referred to earlier where he's, you know, kind of looking for the big money right now because he hasn't really got that chance yet, then that's different. But Dame's made plenty. He's played on Team USA. He's got his, he's the best player in Portland ever. You know, he's got, you know, some can argue, you know, the walls and the, who's the other guy? I should know his name. Um, Clyde Drexler? Drexler? Oh, yeah. Drexler was there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a lot of people would say that he's the, he's the best. So you've earned it everywhere. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe don't go max. Maybe don't go super max. Yeah, which, speaking of super max, they're not going to stop because of the way the new CBA is agreed upon. They're going to continue. But if you look at some of these numbers of some of these guys coming up in the next three summers that can get a fi- the max five-year extension and how much they can make. It- wait, wait, wait. Like, what are you talking about? You're talking about, like, Jalen Brown just signed his Supermax. 304 or something? So you're saying there's there's already plans to go for more. Yeah, so because it works on percentage of the cap, like you talked about with Lillard's, and if you're the max, okay. if you're the top player and you get all NBA, there's the, all the possibility. And, again, these numbers could change based on what happens next season and their voting. But as of right now, next summer, Giannis and Jason Tatum can both sign a five-year $334 million deal right off, like, that's already thirty more million dollars. <laughs> right? Oh my gosh! Okay, okay. But it gets worse. And then twenty twenty five summer, Embiid and Luca can sign five year deals worth three hundred and sixty seven million dollars piece. 
Okay. Please. So, I mean, if you're the Sixers, don't give Embiid that. No offense, Joel. No, yeah, with his legs and as old as he is at this point with that. No, not, not with that history. And then the one, the one oh in God. 2026 okay. that I, I don't really completely like lose my mind, but the amount of money is the part of it, is Jokic, five years, 404. Oh, we're breaking. Okay, we're breaking, breaking into four. the fours. Breaking so, into the fours. And how many years was that? Three, two, three, three years. years. Yeah. So that's so that's my point. Like the more the money and this and again, think about this. The NBA's media rights deal is coming up here in I think a year or two, and this is the first time they're going to be offering streaming services to bid. So you know the streaming and ESPN, everybody else is going to get a piece of it and pay even more and make them even more money. So because they make more money, the league make more money, then the cap goes up, so the players have to make more. But, like, do you think we're ever going to see somebody sign? Like, I know the NBA doesn't do 10-year deals like MLB, but at this rate of inflation, in a sense, of their, their contracts blowing up, do we see somebody sign for five years, like, a billion dollars? Is that, like, something that could happen? I mean, Mbappe had a, had a chance, but, you know. <laughs> um, but, I mean, in the NBA, maybe even in the NFL. I mean, I feel like the first sport it would happen in is baseball because they don't have a salary cap. Yeah. But the amount of money that the NBA and the NFL generate is stupid. So yeah. I, I could see it being there as well. They just aren't used to signing those big long-term contracts. But in yeah. three years, we're already at, at a half a billion. Right. I mean, who knows how much more it will get up. Uh, I... Maybe who? Okay, so who is then? Do you know anybody who who's potentially like young enough right now, who's maybe great enough to to possibly see a billion dollar contract? I guess anybody you could think of, or are they in middle school and high school? I say that far it, most of them are probably going to be in middle school or high school at this moment because if it goes from three oh four basically to four oh four in four years, that means it's going to take at least another probably five to six years to get to the billion. I would think, and again, that's if everything continues to climb like we expect it to. So mm-hmm. maybe maybe Luca on his next deal, if they win a title and he gets an MVP and an All NBA and like his numbers just are all that stuff kind of gets coincided into it. But if he's on three sixty seven now in five years, like maybe in five years he gets seven or eight. But the other thing too is I don't know if the billion will ever happen in basketball because like think about it. Even Otani, if they get if he gets a free agent deal, they're talking about ten years, what sixty seventy million. But he does seven seven hundred okay, seven six hundred seven hundred. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. But like, <laughs> if he's gonna get that much, but he also does two things in a sport where you usually only do mm. one or the other. So maybe that is like the biggest part of why he'll probably get something big like that, and maybe it'll take longer for the other sports. Because you would think at the next CBA before it gets to that billion dollars, the the owners are gonna have to say we have to refigure out this the salary like situation because even if they're bringing in millions and millions of dollars as a league every year, it gets dispersed between 30 and then 32 teams when they expand, which means everybody mm-hmm. gets a smaller chunk, which then if you don't have enough money to pay even one guy, how are you going to have a whole team? Like not all the owners have other businesses necessarily. That yeah. To, to your point about it. the Otani, I mean, he's a, he's a unicorn. So that's maybe the what the one in the million that can get that, that style or size of contract. The only person that I can think of that's literally young enough and has uh, this is one hundred percent based on hype would be Victor Wembanyama. Oh yeah. wow! I didn't, is, is, didn't even think about him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because you know, if the hype continues yeah, as yeah. to what he's supposed to be in this league, then he should be up for all NBA contracts, and he's the youngest person I can think of. Yeah. So yeah. I, I mean, that's kind of the only place that I would go with that. So being that number one overall pick is a lot of pressure, is well, it not? Yeah, but it also gives you more of a leash. Like if it starts out slow, like they give people who are number one picks much more time 
to figure it out as long as like like not if you sometimes maybe not like the first year like the first year they want you to be good now but if you don't click the first year I feel like even if you if it doesn't work in San Antonio for whatever reason his contract ends somebody else will be like yeah he was a number one pick we can give him a shot like something something somebody will want to pull him in like we can fix him that always happens but yeah you're right I think Wemby that could be the that could be the one dude that could be the one. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of pressure on number one pick, especially on the court, but even some off the court, especially oh. for former number one overall pick Zion Williamson. Dude. I know a lot of people listening are probably thinking that uh, we may be referencing the off the court happenings with several females or several of the ladies that might be in his life. But that's actually not even what we're here to talk about. Uh, there's I saw another article the other day where his stepfather is actually getting him, not necessarily, but his money in some trouble with uh, a company called Anchor, A-N-K-R. They're a blockchain tech company that's currently suing his stepfather for $1.8 million. Oh, my gosh. Dude, when you sent me this article to read this, I was already, like, reading our notes about it or your notes about it, I should say, and, like, dang, this is crazy. But then when I read the entire article, I even thought, what is going on? Like, not only it's I, I didn't realize it was a stepfather initially. I thought you just said father when you first talked about it. So then I read it as a stepfather, and then the mother's involved, and now there's like they asked for money up front because he couldn't get money from his sponsorship deals because he was injured. Like there's so many details in this. I'm almost like confused, but at the same time, like why why has he been in so many things off the court that are not necessarily not all bad like the girlfriend pregnancy thing and then the on the side like yeah it's not great but whatever do do your thing man but just mm. like how do you get to the point where you're ghosting a company and not paying them back like how do you not have a team around you've been in like four years you haven't hired a team of people or a person to clean up all the issues around you like obviously you need to get a new circle around you you need to get new friends because that's usually what that happens like these guys that come in bring all their buddies and they still get in trouble well obviously you need to get a circle of trust around you a little bit better than what you have yeah, the hard part is what he has is his stepfather and his mom that's doing all yeah. this stuff behind his back, you know? Like, I feel like if there's anybody that you could try to trust, it's them. 100% see your point with people like John Morant, maybe, who's, you know, hanging out with his friends and doing some of the wrong stuff. Yeah. But dang, dude, to be this guy's stepdad and his mom, basically his stepdad said that he was reached out to by Anchor because they were thinking, of, they thought he was representation for Zion. And they were trying to see if he could maybe be in like a commercial or some sort of promotion for the for the company company um and he said you know what yeah let me i could definitely get you in touch with him i could do all this kind of stuff and uh basically he was just kind of sneaking money on behalf of him um obviously his stepdad and his mom aren't going to be coming up with 1.8 million dollars so this basically falls on his lap no yeah absolutely it does that's that's why his name is being involved with, i mean the, from the get-go like you said they talked to the stepdad and he they thought he was representation but he didn't tell them he wasn't representation he let it keep going it's sad so he didn't help the situation at all so it's nah. just it's just a weird situation all around. And again, like he's already been in all these awkward, weird things that are being public for the world to see. It's just another one. I can't imagine like, I just can't imagine the, like the toll on him. I'm like everything he turns around, there's some other story about him in the news. That's not about basketball, which is the worst part. Yeah. And, and it's sad because you and I were looking earlier, we were doing a little bit of simple math. It, <laughs> He's he's starting a new he's starting a new contract this year. He's getting paid 193 million dollars to play for the next five years. Um, but when we look back at what he's done, he hasn't he hasn't really played. No. We we did a quick calculation, like I said, some simple math on total number of games that he could have played in a regular season, and just reference it to what he has played. 
the math is turns out he's played thirty seven percent of the time that the game has that he's been should have been available wow. for a game. Thirty seven percent. Dude, that okay. This and is, all this stuff is going off the court. Yeah, Come I was gonna on. say on top of it you have all the other stuff, but the thirty seven percent like that's really bad as a as a percentage, and it makes me even like because like the number you said, as soon as you said, it makes me think of the World Series in twenty twenty. They played sixty games instead of one sixty two, which is thirty seven percent. And that whole season, I just thought, eh, God, this is terrible. I think the same thing. Like, yeah. what, 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 as far as number one overall pick, I feel like he had so much potential coming out of Duke, man. I, some stuff with his weight that he needs to kind of cut down because it kind of gets hurt that way. But yeah. Ah, uh, so much potential with the number and, and one. It's not it's like, just, sucks to be sucks to see the potential gone. Yeah, and it's not like Talent. nobody. I'm sure there's multiple oh, people have oh. been telling him like, you gotta you gotta get your stuff together, man, and like figure it out. Like there's been they talk about it during broadcasts. Like, I mean, let's just broadcast teams talk about it during games. Like about it out in the open. That's not a good sign. Which no, not not at all. You know. Which speaking of broadcast teams, I know we talked about ESPN had those layoffs a couple weeks ago. Well, yeah, Jeff Van Gundy was one of them, and uh, now it seems that Mark Jackson is being let go. So they're going to replace him. It sounds like with it's going to be Mike Breen, Doris Burke, and Doc Rivers is coming back to do broadcasting. Any any thoughts on that? I love Doris Burke. Love me some Doris. Can't get enough. Um, I'm actually sad about the outgoing. I know. I know that uh, that Jeff is kind of kooky sometimes, um, but I, I kind of like some of his random comments, and he did have some insight as a coach. I am really sad to see Mark Jackson. I loved hearing from him. Nice, nice voice too. Nice voice to listen to, and he knows about the game. Obviously, Hall of Famer. Um, and Doris Burke, like I said, I love Doc Rivers. Though, don't like to hear him talk at all. To be honest with you, I'm kind of annoyed because now I'm going to be having to mute broadcasts and just watch it how it is because i don't want to hear his scratchy voice talk about who knows what he's going to talk about uh, i'm just not a fan of his voice i'm sure he's got some nice things to say but uh yeah yeah what do you think i think doc would have been better as like the halftime pre-game post-game show guy like just because you can get him in small bursts and i don't have to hear that voice like you like you mentioned the entire game mm-hmm. but i'm also yeah. i was not a huge fan of the jeff and gundy and mark jackson thing because like we talked about it too like there's always those memes of like Mark Jackson and Stan Van Gundy talking about like, hey, that guy looks cool. He's got nice shoes. Uh, yeah, he makes them from another country. And then Mike Reed, and for three. Like, they're not talking <laughs> about the game, which, again, during the regular season is one thing. There's 82 games. They probably cover 40 to 50 of them. That's a mm-hmm. lot of games, and I get you got to fill some time. But when it comes to the playoffs, and especially the finals, like, can we talk about the games? But, like, I don't want Bill Walton specials during the NBA finals. Like, I love Bill Walton. Again, in spurts on a Friday night in a college game, that means nothing. But I don't want him in important games talking on and on and on about who knows what. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I can see that. I'm just, yeah. I'm basically I'm just a no on Rivers. I like your idea, though, of in spurts because I'm sure he's got great things to say. He played on average. I don't know. I don't think he was that great. But No, he was an okay point know, guard. Technically won a championship with the Celtics, if that's what you, you know, yeah. first super team build, whatever. But, uh yeah. He's okay. He's not anything that's going to move the needle as far as I'm concerned. I don't think he'll do anything crazy, but again, I just think that voice for a whole game is going to be a a little much. I would have rather had pre-post and halftime stuff. I hope they find someone else soon. Um, I I dream of it, to be honest with you. (laughs) 
Uh, actually, I, we, you and I were talking before the show, and we were thinking about uh, coming up with our our dream broadcasters. Yep. Did you did you think of some? Like, if we could have a nice duo, a play by play, and a color guide. Did you think of uh, your dream scenario? Yeah. So, guys that are currently or did it and are still around, the the one that I want for play by play is Sparrow Ditas. He used to be the Lakers radio guy. Uh, he now works for CBS and does like football on Sundays, March Madness, pretty much whatever they need him to do. And I, I just his voice is really good. Uh, I believe he's from Greece, so he his um, dialect or the way he says foreign names, especially like European names, is spot on compared to most because he's from that mm-hmm. part of the world and, spe- okay, and like speaks that. Greek like fluently. Um, and then my color guy would be Steve Kerr because I know everybody – he's the coach of the Warriors right now, but yeah, everybody forgets. Right. Did he, did, yeah. he did color commentary? Twice, actually. He had two different – when he retired after winning his fifth title in San Antonio in June of 03 – he then started for TNT in the fall and did from 03 through, I think, 07. Then he went to the Suns and was the GM and basketball operations guy. And then when he left that in 2010, he went back to TNT to do color again until he got hired by the Warriors back in 2014. So he's done it twice, and I thought he was really good. Again, it's a former player. He's won everywhere he's gone. He won everything at this point. So if he decides to retire from coaching at some point, I wouldn't be shocked if he ended up back on the sideline doing announcing. Yeah, and he's got a nice voice too. Actually, yeah, yeah. I mean, he could speak. He speaks. He speaks very well. So, yeah. um, well spoken. Knows what he's talking about. Not annoying voice. Yeah. Sounds like a check, check, check for me. Right. And okay. So then, if I got mine, who's what's your dream? So um, I know not everybody likes him. Uh, you and I, I think both do. Um, but the first person that I would do having the play by play, it's just it's super nostalgic for me, both with football, but more specifically with like World Series. Um, I would pick Joe Buck. Oh, that's a good I like one. Joe. Biden. Yeah, I do too. I actually really like Joe. But I know, like you said, a lot of people give him shit because for whatever reason. But I actually think he's really good. And and you know what though, that gives you an opportunity now because you pick Joe Buck. He doesn't do just one sport. So your color guy could be a football guy or could be a baseball guy. So what? Yeah, true. What's true. what route are you going with your color man? Well, the guy that I settled on is fairly new. Uh, I mean, not new as in like one year, but fairly newer to the team, former player. Um, and I just love the way he, he talks. He's always seems so excited to be there. He just wishes – it almost seems like he wishes he was on the field oh, again. Um, he could call plays before anything. I feel like you know who I'm talking about right now. Tony Romo is who <laughs> I would love to have as the color commentator. As soon as you said a guy who gets excited, all I could think of was, hey, Jim, oh, my God, here we go. Like, that's all he does when he likes – like you said earlier, we're talking, he like sees a Play goes like, well, they're gonna run it to the right here, and then as soon as it happens, and Jim's like, they're running to the right. He's, oh, I told you, Jim. Oh my god! Like he's just his whole like getting pumped up, excited thing is hilarious. Demeanor's awesome, dude. I love it, and I love the and I like I said, I love people who have done it and done it well. Again, he didn't win a Super Bowl. He didn't. I don't think he won any MVPs, no. but he was a solid quarterback for under a lot of pressure for one of the largest, if not the biggest, franchise in all of the NFL. So I think he did pretty good, and he knows a lot, and he just seems like a really cool, calm dude. And yeah. I just like his vibe when he when he talks about it. And I just love his predicting. So Yeah, no, it's a great it's awesome. a great pick. The other the other football color guy I think really good right now that is not talked about enough is Greg Olson. He's really good for Fox. Ooh, yes. Actually I like him too. Um I feel like he's fresh off the field. I feel like he was just there. So yeah. uh, that's super detailed and insight to to that. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I like Greg Olson a lot. That's yeah. very true. Kind of forgot about him. That's yeah. a good. Keep keep preaching his name. Yeah, no, if you look at his stats, I mean, he had a pretty long career, and he was one of those guys in Miami that we saw that video clip a couple of weeks ago about all the guys that played at U of M together in that dude. early 2000s when he was part of it. Yeah, they were stacked, dude. They were yeah. stacked. But, yeah, your stats, man. We have a new segment 
ladies and gentlemen. Yes, a new do. segment. We're going to start a new segment here. I will introduce the name of it after we play the clip that will introduce it for us. I cannot believe a fine woman like this produced a guy like Stiff. Dude! I took some MILF. What the hell is that? M-I-L-F. Man, I love facts! <laughs> yeah! You guys. yeah! That's right. It's MILF Mondays! MILF Mondays! So, obviously, you get your head, uh, head out of the gutter, people. We're talking about Man, I Love Facts Monday. So, I'm going to start Act. doing Mondays. Or I throw some, and it might not be every Monday, but every couple Mondays, we're going to throw out a random stat that seems sometimes ridiculously stupid, but also is true at the same time. So are you ready for my first one? Yeah, what you got for me today, right, man? So I'm, number going, one. I'm going number one. I'm going baseball. And this is the stat. And think about these numbers when I read them out loud, and we'll talk about them after because they're really insane. Okay, Shoot. so in Greg Maddox's career, he faced 20,421 batters. Of those batters, only 310 of them saw a 3-0 count from Greg Maddox. Now, that number is already astonishing, but let me finish. 177 of those 310 were intentional walks because back then they didn't have the automatic just go to first base. You had to throw pitches. Mm -hmm. So he really only had a 3-0 count on not on purpose 133 times out of 20,421. That's insane. Dude, and remember we talked about like the Maddox game, how he threw under 90 for a complete game back in the day. This is even more astronomical, I feel like, than that, no? So, yes. So 310, that is what, so 99% of the time he never made it to 3-0, okay? And if that is the case of that, the, the, the percentage of times where he actually did not intentionally is... A half a percent. <laughs> yeah. See, that's what I'm. That, these are the numbers. I like read this and I was like, dude, that is insane. This, this kind of reminded me of some of the stats you see with uh, Tony Gwynn, which I'm sure I'll have one at some point, where he had mm, like the most, the least amount of walks and all these weird things. But like, I just saw this number about Maddox and thought, oh my god! Like you said, a half a percent of the time in baseball, when you bet three hundred, when you bet three hundred in baseball, that's considered great. He got people mm-hmm. to a three zero count point oh five percent of the time. Like that's in crazy. That's just crazy. And that was on accident. He did it more intentionally. Yeah, yeah. One hundred seventy seven on one hundred thirty three. Where oh shoot, I you know. Yeah. I guess I went four zero. And uh, <laughs> how many of those were to you know steroid era players yeah, where he's like trying to just be careful. He played with bond. <laughs> he played against bonds for a while too. How many of those were against bonds? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know a lot of the intentional ones, but sometimes you weren't. You, there was some unintentional, intentional yeah, walks to Barry Bonds. Work around well. the zone, and if he walks, he walks. But he's still throwing mm-hmm. some pitches. Yeah, exactly. Uh, who knows? Who knows of those 133 weren't the ones where the catcher's just standing like this, <laughs> exactly. and they were kind of like intentional but not intentional. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Crazy. Uh, but yeah, I love love the new. Uh, yeah, agree. I love the new. Um, love the new. What's this called? Our new uh, feature, I guess, or segment, if you want feature. to call it. Love segment, <laughs> even better. I love it. Yeah, love the and, name. And I like Very the little creative. clip I put together. I don't know if it's the best thing, but I, we, we, we found that clip and put it together pretty easily. It's pretty nice. Start, man. I love it. <laughs> and we're going to hopefully come up with a bunch more segments like this, too. So yeah, we're working uh, on that's what things. we'll be thinking of this week. You got, uh, got anything going on this week? No, actually, I'm off most of the week. I took uh, oh, today right. through Thursday off. So I work a concert on Saturday, which is... NF, I've never heard of that person or who that is, but apparently they're selling a ton of merch and we're going to be busy as hell. So I'm kind of taking a few days off to just chill before my crazy schedule time of the year for work uh, really picks up here in the fall. So 
Other than that, not a whole lot. Just and then we got a podcast we're going to record on Friday, so it'll be up uh, Friday night or Saturday morning. But other than that, no, just chilling this week. What about you, man? Same old, same old. Yeah. Uh, quick note: NF is an American rapper. Oh, rapper. Okay, thirty-two years old. Nathan John Feuerstein. Okay, yeah, remember Nathan Feuerstein. Yeah, so there okay. you go. He's a rapper. You're gonna see a rapper. Uh, my week, you know, same old stuff. Work. Gonna keep getting swimming. I'm gonna try to do another eight thousand plus uh, meters this week in Damn. the water. Just trying to stay healthy. But uh, other than that, just prepare for Friday's cast and. Excited for sports to keep heating up. We're getting closer and closer to some football. When's that? Uh, when's that Hall of Fame game? Uh, I think Friday or is it usually on the weekend or is it a Monday night game? Sometimes, sometimes they do it on Monday night or Thursday night. I don't remember, but I don't watch a lot of preseason games because by the second set of downs or so, nobody's in the games <laughs> that we know at least. Yeah. They're all fighting. No, that's true. Yeah, this one is eleven thirty. I mean eleven thirty eight. <laughs> Eight o'clock somewhere. I was looking at the stupid time. Eight three at August third on Thursday. Thursday, okay, Thursday, so August Thursday 3rd. night. That makes so. sense. Which means the uh, Hall of Fame enshrinement's probably this weekend. I'm guessing then, because that's usually mm-hmm. what they try to do is try to make it a whole event at that yes. little location. Which is actually, I don't know if you ever get a chance to get there, dude, but it's actually they got a lot of stuff at that Hall of Fame. It's crazy. You've been to Canton, right? Yeah, I've been to baseball, football, basketball, and hockey Hall of Fames, and golf Hall hey. of Fame in Florida. And I don't know if you consider well, what the one. The, what about that NCAA one that I we went to? I was just going to say, huh? is that technically a, a museum? I want to be a part of something, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a no, good time yeah. there. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Awesome, man. Well, hey, another great show. Um, thanks, man, for hanging out. Thank yeah. you, everybody, too. Uh, on behalf of Sycamore Fourth Studios, I'm Brendan. And I'm Corey. And again, like we always say, until next time, enjoy the sports. Peace.